At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is the Los Angeles City Cast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Hey there, and welcome into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook, a Wednesday edition coming at you today. And I'm officially back from vacation. Apologies if you were just clamoring for an episode on Monday. I'm, it must have been really hard for you, but uh, fortunately I am back. And it was nice to not think about betting for not even a week. It was about five to six days, but nevertheless, good to see the family and good to take some time off. I think that's really good to just kind of cleanse the palate. Need to do that more often. But nevertheless, I am back and and we have lots of LA action to look at, especially in the form of the Dodgers and the Angels. Man, talk about a high score for the Angels on Tuesday night versus the Royals. They'll be back in action again. And to talk about the Dodgers and the Angels today in the show, we're going to start with part one with Ben Wilson, one of the hosts of The Run Line, which is a great baseball betting show that you can find on VEASAN on Sundays. He also does great play-by-play. He's working the College Baseball World Series. So we'll have Ben come on, tell us his thoughts on where the Dodgers are at, where the Angels are at, uh, especially as it pertains to their individual divisional races and uh, what we can expect with Mookie Betts out also for the Dodgers for the time being. We'll also, of course, talk about the WNBA because we have one game on Wednesday and four games on Thursday. And yes, Friday's show, we will also talk WNBA and we'll bring in none other than Miles Ehrlich for that show. So something to look forward to for Friday's show. But for today, just me talking about the WNBA. Before we bring in Ben Wilson, though, let's take a look at the local Los Angeles lines in the World Series odds. Dodgers, 4-1, to one, still at the top, still still the number one spot. 
The Angels, meanwhile, all the way down at 60 to 1. Not not as impressive, really. And sitting at 22 to 1 for their American League odds. The Dodgers, as you can imagine, uh, still sitting at the top of the National League, plus 220, with the Mets behind them at plus 350. Padres at 7 to 1. And the Giants at 15 to 1, interestingly enough. Uh, we're also going to talk about the National League West with Ben. We'll get his thoughts on that. So as far as the odds are concerned there, Dodgers minus 250, Padres plus 275, the Giants 7 to 1. And we'll just throw the Diamondbacks in for fun too. They're 500 to 1. Yeah, it's nice to be inclusive. Uh, if we're talking about the games on Wednesday, we can take a look at the Dodgers at the Cubs. That game starting at 3.40 p.m. Pacific time. Dodgers minus 167 here. Reds plus 143. The run line minus 105 for the Dodgers and for the Reds minus 120. And the total for this game, nine and a half. As for the Angels, they'll be playing at 6.49 p.m. Pacific time. Royals at the Angels. And the Royals, money line, plus 200. The Angels, minus two, or excuse me, yes, that's correct. Angels, minus 240. And the Royals run line, plus one and a half runs, minus 113. The Angels run line, minus one and a half at minus 110. Total for this one at eight and a half. So expecting things to calm down after the craziness that was Tuesday's game. The LA Sparks are not back in action until Thursday night. We'll get into that game in a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but you can find all these odds and more at BetRiver Sportsbook. Plus, BetRiver's online sportsbook invites you to add some variety to your baseball bets with new same-game parlays. Every game this baseball season, you can combine game bets and player props to create your perfect BetRiver's combination. Whether you're looking to increase your payouts on favorites or make your own long shot, you can add a little extra spice to your game with same game parlays at BetRivers Online Sportsbook. Download the BetRivers Sportsbook app and make your baseball same game parlays today. Let's welcome in Ben Wilson from VEASAN. Ben, where can people find you on Twitter? Because I have to imagine Ben Wilson is a very common name. Yeah, I, I had to go double underscore, which people have oh. given me. Whenever I'm on primetime action, people give me such a hard time, and I, I've just, I've just like, I've, I'm bleed into it. Uh, it's Ben underscore Wilson underscore the number one, which I created when I was a high school freshman volleyball player. I wore it's stuck. I wore number one, and I was like, I'm never changing this. No matter how many random dudes with the, you know, the old egg emoji on Twitter just are like. Come on, man. It's way too hard to find that. I'm like, I'm sorry. Well, you found me, so you're good. So don't complain anymore. Well, you're my only Ben Wilson I follow. So oh. you come right up. You come right up for me. No problems. Thanks, but that's where you can find Ben. And also, you're a co-host on the run line for baseball. So before we get into Dodgers and Angels talk, I know that the New York teams have been doing exceptionally well as, as well, which is really fun because we love seeing this kind of New York-LA rivalry kind of emerging between these two sides. But New York especially so far. Do you think this is sustainable for the Yankees and even the Mets? Yeah, well, I mean, maybe you like a New York-LA rivalry. The rest of us are just like, <laughs> come on, like, really? Why does it always have to be the, the best market to are doing Ben, remind me, where best. are you from? Uh, I am from the lovely city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah, so not a, fly not over, a fan. Flyover country. <laughs> My Milwaukee Brewers have, uh, yes, have, have made approximately zero World Series in my lifetime. But that is okay because I, you know, I can watch other teams. and I can only go up from here. I, I, yes, that's a great point. I, so the Yankees are fascinating because I felt like they, are, they have been in, in line for some team-wide regression for some time, yet they just, like, they are top ten in basically every single statistical category when you look at them. And, like, to say that they're on pace and will continue to be on pace for a 120-win season – is pretty unrealistic, right? That the all-time record is 116, 2001 Mariners and the, the 1906 Cubs. And 
I, I just was talking to Josh Towers, who's one of our other MLB analysts, and because he played against the 01 Mariners, who were just this absolute behemoth, and he was he was sort of saying like you went in like you would go to you would go to Seattle back then, and they were the most stacked lineup like you had ever seen, and it was so out of this world. And even though the numbers now are pretty similar between you know what the Yankees are doing now and what the Mariners did then. He's like, it's, it's hard to even compare because, like, the Mariners were just so much better, and you went in there as a pitcher, and you felt like you had no chance, which I, I don't think that's the same thought on the, on the Yankee team. It's just, it's not like just this death row lineup, right, where they can just kill you one through nine, but they're so consistent that it's been really tough, like, when, they are, when they're clicking on all cylinders and all healthy to, <laughs> to, to beat them consistently, and that's why you're seeing a record of 50 and 17 right now, which is nuts. But I look at the fact that they're 99th percentile in, in injury luck so far. And outside of some of the arms that they had at the beginning of the year that were shelved and they're still waiting to get back, they've been tremendously fortunate. And especially, too, with a number of guys in that roster that have had a lot of injury history. Daniel, mm-hmm. to, like, to stay as solid as they've been, that's the one thing where – and especially, like, we talk – whenever we do these check-ins on the betting markets, right, it's hard to say – Okay, let's let's all of a sudden start fading the Yankees on a daily basis because we're not going. Obviously, we're not going to do that. We're not going to be laying like the four dollar prices when they're playing the Royals and the Tigers of the world. We're not going to do that either. And futures wise, they finally they finally joined the Dodgers, which I actually felt like was a little a little late for that. I mean, it was like, come on, what what else do we need to see out of the Yankees to see them have odds at least match the Dodgers? So their futures odds are so short right now. There's really no point in playing any of those guys. Judge is now a minus money favorite to win the. A.L. Cy Young, Shohei, and Trout have fallen way back here. So I, I, look, I think they're accurately priced now, but I still have I still have questions about them holding up for 162. Uh, and it's like Nestor Cortez has a lot of individual things as a pitcher that I don't I don't see really sustaining all season with a really really high um, xFIP. The expected fielding independent pitching was which is a lot more telling I would say than ERA. Uh, and their bullpen, while they've got, I mean, look, they're, the, the job they've gotten, of course, their closer, who has been amazing, finally blew a save on Monday, but had been tremendous in that in that newfound role. I don't know what their bullpen's going to look like come uh, September with all these guys still kind of working back into shape. So they're, I mean, in an amazing spot right now. But it's sort of like, what do you, what actionable, you know, thing can you really do with it from the betting perspective? I'm not sure that there is one right now. Ex- instead of, except, uh, just finding individual spots where it makes sense to. I continue to ride the wave here or, or look unless you've got a really good pitching matchup against them. That's probably the only thing you can do right now. Well, as far as a pitching matchup, you mentioned the XFIP. Is that a stat that you lean on the most for pitching? Obviously more than ERA, even more so than whip. Yeah, I, so I definitely lean on it more than ERA and whip. And I, so the expected fielding independent pitching that what's nice about that is it, it takes out the field, you know, the fielders behind you, which, I mean, again, that's a big part of handicapping, but it gives you a very true sense of what a, a raw pitcher's value is. Where, they, like, it doesn't, you know, you could have, uh, you know, Danielle Alvari playing shortstop, or you know, Pete Derek Jeter. I'm <laughs> sure that's good that, for no one. I'm sure that you know, not a huge gap there, Danielle. But <laughs> the point is, like, it's it's t- it's basically disregarding all of that and replacing it with the le- you know, with league average defensive play behind you. So what what I've what I've done a lot this year, like, I'm looking at both the XFIP and the expected ERA and kind of measuring mm. that. Uh, the batting average on balls in play is something I, I really weigh heavily where your league average is around 290 or 295. So if you see a pitcher, and uh, Tony Gonsolin is a great example of this, who I know he was recording this Tuesday and he was starting tonight, the guy who was at like a 180 BAPIP, it means he's been getting really fortunate because you expect batting average on balls in play, for the most part, is going to be around 290, 295. When you're at a 180 clip, that just means 
I mean, you can't expect that to sustain itself over the course of the year where only you know, the average on balls that actually get hit into the field of play, so you're taking out strikeouts, obviously, is actually going to be that low at 180. And conversely, if there's a guy who's at 350, 360, a pitcher, you expect it'll get better. So I look a lot at a lot of stuff like that. I look at a lot of uh, pitch arsenals, like for a guy like, say, Tyler Anderson, who goes tomorrow for the Dodgers. Like, he's mm-hmm. changed his pitch arsenal so much. And for, guy, for somebody who has had kind of middling statistics throughout his career, if a guy all of a sudden has this amazing surge and looks incredible and the underlying numbers don't really say he's going to regress, like, I want to I know why a guy is doing that and if it's sustainable. So, like, in the case of Anderson, I mean, he's, he's completely changed the way he, uh, he pitches. He's throwing the fewest fastballs of his career. And he's always been known as a pretty below average. Like, he you know, throws a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. He's always struggled getting guys out with that pitch. So he goes to L.A., and they're finally like, why are you throwing this very, very mediocre fastball so much? How about you throw your you know, elite changeup, which he's now throwing actually almost as much and sometimes, if not more, than his fastball. So it's, it's kind of like piecing together a lot, of different, a lot of different advanced stats, but also with what you're actually seeing in front of you with these pitchers and um, how they're changing themselves on the mound. So I know, I know you've admitted it's sort of hard to like keep up with everything because it is. got to just take it day mm-hmm. by day with some of these pitchers, but that's kind of my general approach. And um, I guess it kind of leads into the this Dodgers-Reds uh, game tomorrow because – I mean, Anderson certainly found uh, – he's figured out a way, and it's, it's really paid off for him so far in, that, in his first season there in L.A. Yeah, I, he's been one of the pitchers actually on the Dodgers lineup that I love to bet on, especially because you can get a little bit better value than you would see, obviously, in a Kershaw game, which we'll see him in action Thursday, supposedly, uh, and even a Gonsolin game. You're going to see something a little bit more favorable with Tyler Anderson, but that may be changing soon because he's been having a pretty strong season, as you pointed out. Something else that's changed to the Dodgers, Mookie Betts going to be out for a couple weeks. So they did pick up the Detroit Tigers outfielder, Trace Thompson. Mookie being out, does that concern you at all? And it's kind of, it's, I mean, I can't even barely get the question out because it's hilarious because we look at this lineup and I'm like, Cody Bellinger, Max Muncy, Justin Turner. It's hilarious, but Mookie is out. How big of an impact is that going to be? Uh, I, I think it's, look, it's certainly significant. In, you know, if it, if it was a longer term sense, you would have worries. But let, let's yeah. just be, let's just be honest about the Dodgers. And this has been, I mean, a, big, a thing that people have kind of quabbled with Dave Roberts about now for some time. He's made it pretty evident in his manage, you know, the way he goes about managing games on a day-to-day basis that he doesn't really care about June, July, and August. Like, it doesn't really matter for him what the team is doing because he knows there's so much talent that, that like, it is going to be there at the end of the day. And so I've, I've sort of felt like, I know we had this conversation last time I was on where... Mm-hmm. You can pick off spots to, you know, like the market is always so pro Dodgers that it's really hard to to really justify if you're if you're just talking straight up full game nine inning bets on them with money lines. Like you got to find other ways to bet the Dodgers if you like elements of, of their team. Like say mm-hmm. I like an element of say you know Tyler Anderson pitching on Wednesday because the market is always so inflated in their behalf because of what they generally do in the long term. The reality is they have had so many stink bombs this year where they just don't even sh- – where they just look so Seven disinterested. Seven and nine in June, I think. Yeah, and, and look, if you were just like all the all those numbers and, and the, the days where they lost, you were getting massive plus prices on the other side. With bets, and you look at this lineup, what they're doing, I mean, last two weeks, like I'll say there are some positive things for me that I, you know, I don't think this swoon will last all that long because – uh, they're you know, of, of what they're doing, and they're bottom 10 right now in WRC+, plus, which is a really mm. accurate uh, measure of a, of a team's overall offensive performance. But they're 25th in BAPIP, so they're only 272 on batting on balls in play, which you expect to go up. 
Again, league average is right around that 290 spot. So they've been unlucky mm-hmm. on balls in play. They're still mm-hmm. among the, the leaders. I believe they're seventh right now in hard hit percentage. So that's an, when I'm looking at hitters, I want to see, okay, are you consistently hitting the ball hard? Uh, Dodgers are actually their eighth right now, 32.6%. Uh, and that's, again, just over the last two weeks. So they've been getting unfortunate while hitting balls hard. And that's ultimately the thing that really matters long term. And so they will be there and they will be fine. But when you're not getting the when you when you're on the wrong side of variance in a specific stretch, and then you couple that with being out your best player, and you're already a franchise who has clearly made it out, you know, made it evident that you don't really value this middle dog days of summer stretch, then you can see why. Like there are spots to pick up pick off against them. And I think the Padres being as good as they are right now, actually mm. in a way it actually helps the Dodgers because like you, you can't afford to really take time off and and just sort of sit on a lead when you don't have a lead, and they don't have a yeah. lead right now. So if anything, I, I, I kind of expect this to play out really similarly to what we saw last year where we had a lot of these same conversations without the Dodgers, but the mm-hmm. Giants just kept winning. Dodgers mm-hmm. couldn't take their foot off the gas, and all of a sudden you look up and you've got teams at 107 and 106 wins. So <laughs> it would not at all surprise me to see the Padres and, and Dodgers be in that same 1-2 slot. Not sure who's going to – I mean, look, I know the Dodgers are still favored to win the division, but it wouldn't stun me to see each of these teams kind of push each other that way, which ultimately I think is good, especially especially for the Dodgers, given some of their in-season history. Yeah, and it was cute when the Diamondbacks were kind of hanging in there for a little while too, but now just absolutely cute. out of the mix. Um, to your point, though, because maybe they don't care about these middle uh, or these summer month games and also because the Dodgers are as good as they are, but like you said, may let their foot off the gas. Is there a little bit of value at looking at another team to win the NL West? Because you can see the Giants now at 7-1. to one. I think we have them 3-1 to one as recent as a week or two ago. Uh, Padres are plus 275 now, and the Dodgers sitting at minus 250 on Bet River. So for me, like 7-1 to one on the Giants, they might surprise you. That, and it's funny that you mentioned that because that, talking with Adam our, on our run line show, we I think when we were talking about it, they were eight to one, and this was last mm. uh, Sunday. So somebody else had the same idea. Uh, well, yep. well, and it's, yeah, and you talk <laughs> about how the odds have kind of gone up and down on them. There's a lot of things to like about what the Giants do, and like the, the core pieces of that team from last year are all still there. What's just weird, and the thing that's hard to quantify is their defense has just fallen off a cliff. If you compare their numbers this year to last year. It's like, and they, and this is again. Keep in mind, with nearly the same personnel, and sure, they've had some injuries, but that that shouldn't be the main culprit for just fault for being one of the worst defensive teams in baseball when they were one of the elites a season ago. And that's just one of those things you kind of have to have trust in the system that you know under under their manager and you know, for Gabe Kapler and for the rest of that front office has always been a, a strong point, kind of hand in hand with their pitching too. You sort of have to have faith in that coming around because it's hard to. You know, it's, it's hard to have any sort of, you know, previous number that tells you uh, they're just automatically going to get better on the defensive end. Like, again, as I was saying earlier, that's like the one thing we don't really handicap all that often is defense. But it's resulted in a lot of their pitchers having inflated numbers. Bec- and, like, again, you look at a lot of their pitchers, their expected fielding independent pitching is much lower than their actual ERA because they're getting screwed by their defenders. And, either, and that's not just errors. It's misplays in the field, not being aligned, you know, optimally and giving you know balls dropping when they shouldn't, which obviously those you know go down as base hits instead of errors. So that's something that has started to come around. We've seen improvements now in the last month, and the Giants' offense as well as they've started to get back to fuller and fuller health. I mean, the sweep they had over the Dodgers the other week was, mm-hmm. I think, a big telling sign of that. That it was one of those early season swoons. There was a lot of pressure on them coming off a and 107 <laughs> win season. 
But I, I, I think the value is certainly there, and they're, I'd imagine they're going to be within three, four games all season. It's just, you know, you, yeah, you ask yourself, will they, do they win the division one every seven times? I, I certainly think yes. Will they win the division this year in, in the way this is actually playing out? I'm not sure, but it's at least not a bad idea to have, have a, a piece of action on that. And I certainly feel like they are a playoff team, and it's a minus price on them to make the playoffs, as it should be. Uh, it's just a matter of how how much uh, you know the Padres factor into this. Just as I was going to say, Dodgers. are the Padres yeah. legit to you? They are, are the Padres a legit contender for this? They they absolutely are, and a lot of okay. it is they replaced who I thought was the biggest fraud of a manager in Jace Tingler last year, with a guy in Bob Melvin who has nearly two decades now of head managerial experience in baseball. He actually knows what he's doing on a day to day basis, and mm-hmm. and you have seen that them helps. play so much. Yeah, that's, that's kind of an important thing. <laughs> They've been so much more consistent, and that's without Fernando Tatis, who had negative injury. He got a negative sign earlier this, I think it was last week. Like, he's still not really close to returning, which is kind of like the, the, the alarm bells have been going off there for San Diego, at least on Tatis all season. Uh, they have no idea when he's coming back. Machado had a really bad-looking ankle sprain, but x-rays came back negative on that. So he's just expected to be day-to-day here. But the pot, like the Potters have so much talent and the, the pitching has really excelled as well this year and they, they've gotten deeper and that helped when you you, know, you trade for uh, you know a guy like a Taylor Rogers as a, to be a closer right before the start of the year they've been able to bolster the back end of their bullpen so I absolutely think they can keep pushing the the Dodgers and that you know it wouldn't stun me at all if we get a very similar similar deal where you look up in September and the Padres are at you know getting to 100 wins and have a three-game lead in the division and the Dodgers have to go the wild card route again so I think if you like, if you wanted to take, you know, if you didn't want to limit yourself to betting in that division market, which I don't blame you for not mm-hmm. wanting to do with how loaded that West is, like if you want to take shots on on the Padres and and Giants each to win the pennant, I think that's totally fair, especially the Padres. And you're going to get better numbers just because the books still have them as a dog to win the division. So you're kind mm-hmm. of assuming that going that wild card path means you're winning a lot of one and done games, at least to start. And that naturally will make your odds longer. So if you wanted to take a shot on the Padres, you know, are they are they a team who can absolutely come out of the NL? I, I certainly think they can. And they, they haven't gotten a lot of the market respect just because their team isn't all that different. But I think people underestimate sometimes the power of A, pitching coaches and B, managers and the impact that can actually uh, have on a team. And we've seen some... Re- We've seen some examples like that, San Diego being one of the good ones, and we've seen some examples of that being totally negative, like you know the White Sox and Tony La Russa. That's been a classic example uh, going the other way. So Padres are legit. I'm, 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 I'm very much a fan of them. Okay. All right. I, I trust you on that one then. I, I feel like I haven't heard as much, I guess, about the Padres as I hear about the Giants, at least in contention in comparison to the Dodgers. But, it, I mean, obviously a little brother worth worrying about. That's because it's San Diego, um, Dan. You know, it's the San Diego thing. Everyone's just chill down there. You know me. like. Well, really, like, that's the cousin, right? Because the little brother is is the Angels, at least some people prefer to. It's funny because I'll see these threads all the time about the Los Angeles teams that you have to support. Um, I think it was who, who Alan Robinson coming over from the Bears who was tweeting out about who do I need to cheer for? What teams do I need to pick up? Do I have to pick Lakers or Clippers? Can I cheer for both? So people are all in the thread saying like these are the teams in LA. And it's funny because I do feel like people will go USC on the football a little bit more, but obviously UCLA on the basketball. But people are pretty straightforward with like it's Rams, it's Dodgers, it's Kings, and then everything else is tertiary. And so I feel bad for the Angels, um, but they do seem like they're the little brother in LA still. I mean, you're the you're the one you're the one in the middle of it, Daniel. I don't yeah. like it's yeah. I mean it's it's uh, I, I think too. Well, it's fun. I don't know anybody who would be a USC football and a UCLA basketball <laughs> fan. Like just come on, <laughs> throw your fan card 
literally out the window. And somebody who, so I was just in San Diego. I called a game at the uh, Pachanga Arena, great venue, by the way. Uh, but it's kind of, yes. but there, it's yeah, it's just weird. I mean, it's like you lose the Chargers and you, I mean, way back when they had the, mm-hmm. the Clippers and you, yeah, it's sort of, you know, you, for those, I feel like in a weird sense, like, what you say probably encapsulates a lot of what people in LA think about the Padres in general, who are like who are huge baseball fans and you know, love yeah. the Dodgers and and you know to some extent the Angels, I guess. But a lot of people look at that team and they just like there's been so much ownage historically. Like the Dodgers have never mm-hmm. really felt threatened by the Padres, whereas the Giants, who are you know obviously not, not they've been significantly worse this season than San Diego, but the Giants are a team that that's been the historic rivalry, and you're always yeah. gonna like it's. You're always going to think like that. And it's funny for me, like I went to a uh, Dodger Angels game, did not feel at all like a rivalry game. I mean, there were no, like a few pockets. There was a few Angels fans there who were trying to make, but it's like, who wants to drive from Orange County to Dodger <laughs> Stadium on like a Sunday? Like nobody wants to do that. And I was at the game and I was like, wow, this, this is, so this is this cool like interleague matchup and I'm watching Trout and Kershaw and like nobody cared. It was just, a, you know, no, yeah. but if you just another day in LA, honestly, people are getting, you know, uh, maimed in the streets when it's a uh, Giants coming into town, and you know that's, that's how it's always been. The Bay and the LA, the rivalry is real. It's it's really bad. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, that's just kind of. And I unfortunately like I'm a transplant to LA and from the Bay Area, so I'm I'm just caught in the crossfire. Caught in the, it's really you're tough. Caught in the crossfire. You, are you watching the, uh, the, the 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 winning time show? Are you like? Have you been giving out tapes? I on haven't, the LA but I've City heard that cast? there's lawsuits coming. I heard that some people are not happy about the winning time. I mean, it's hilarious because they, I'm. It's always hilarious to me, Danielle. When I know this is a tangent, but when when show when networks decide we're going to make a documentary on a team, and then not make it factually based at all, is kind of hilarious. Like we're going to do like let's talk. No one's going to notice. Like let's talk documentary, <laughs> but do it Hollywood style. Like what what is the what is what are we doing? What is the point of even doing that? Let's just do a ten part series where we're literally yeah, give me the HBO documentary instead. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I want I'm, the real thing. What actually I'm a happened? fan of sports history. Like I'm a very bunch of nerd on that. So like I wanna you know, I yes. I am I very, very jealous of my dad going to El Toro High School in nineteen seventy nine when like the Lakers were everything? Of course. Do I do I wanna know exactly what that was like? Like exactly what they were doing at the forum club? I wanna know. Is HBO giving me that? No, they're just they're just embellishing everything, and that kind of sucks. So that's my hot. Well, you proved my exact point about the Angels that another team is always going to supersede them. (laughs) We would literally go into a Lakers discussion over talking about the Angels, which is unfortunate because Shohei Otani on the mound on Thursday, um, (laughs) or on two, or excuse me, on Wednesday, Otani versus Lynch in Kansas City, and the Angels for me have been largely unbettable because of their inconsistencies across the board. If there's ever a, a play I'm looking to make on them, it's overs in their games, and even that hasn't been going well as of late for them. So where do you kind of stand with this Angels team? Look, it's when Shohei is on the mound, it's like so much different than you know than anything else. And it's it's fascinating too that his you know, the MVP candidacy part of, you know, with the team struggling and he really hasn't done much of the plate where he's basically been a league average hitter so far. But on the mound it's a lot while some of the things that we talked about early in the season have have dropped off a little bit. Let's keep in mind, it was always going to be really hard to expect a guy to strike out 14 per nine all season and give up like an 18% hard hit percentage. Like those were just ridiculous numbers that you could not expect anybody to possibly maintain. But you check, I mean, you check in with Otani right now and he's still, like he's still in a really good spot. He's still sub 30% hard hit percentage. So he's not giving up a, a lot of hard contact. He's among, he's near the top of the league leaders with that. 
He's still I mean, at 11 and a half strikeouts per nine, which is still really, really good. And he's, you know, like he's, he's, you could even argue, I mean, with a, he's at a 295 bat pip, that there are some numbers that could still positively improve for him, where he's got a 284 expected fielding independent pitching to a 328 ERA. Uh, and so with him, and you mentioned, like, I don't, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those spots I've not been wanting to tie myself in, you know, into a part of these Angels lineup, especially one that mm -hmm. is so hot and cold. So I would look, and especially too, the, the one that, nice thing about at least this Royals matchup for Otani is that they are one of the light, lightest hitting lineups in all baseball. And I have, I have actually, my strategy with the Royals, weirdly, specifically, is when they, when they have a really, like a bona fide ace going against them, I don't care if it's home or on the road, I've, mm -hmm. just, I've been looking instead of, because they, like, they make a lot of contact. They're one of those teams that, and we remember you think of the Royals from the 2015-16 World Series runs, the whole bunt for October thing. Like they put a lot of balls in play, but they don't have any, but they really don't hit for much power. And they're, they're just the, kind of the quintessential like station to station team. So instead of betting, I don't usually bet like strikeout props against them, but I, do, I will bet team totals. And obviously mm. that, that now, you know, you do have to have some, the one issue out, you know, the one scary thing with that in an Angels game, betting a team total is that certainly involves the bullpen. So like you can't really do a first, you could, I guess, in some markets find a first five team total, but in a game like this, where I'm guessing the Royals are going to be three and a half and probably juice to the under because it's Shohei, I mean, I'm I've played those before. I did that a uh, couple weeks ago when, when Alec Manoa was in Kansas City, a guy with a similar statistical profile to Otani, who's one of the uh, Cy Young candidates there for the Blue Jays, and he was, I mean, absolutely dominant. So when they face these guys who keep you off balance and are really hard to square up, and Otani is mm. giving up very few uh, barreled balls hit, hit against him, um, he's only given up 13 uh, on the course of the season in the in the single digit, uh, per, you know, only 8% of, of, of balls against him are actually being barreled. It's hard for me to see the Royals stringing up much you know, against him. Uh, it's just a matter of can you survive? If you go three and a half, there's not a whole lot of margin for error. So can you survive a, a game where the bullpen could be involved with the Angels? That's like that's the way I would look at it and how I would play. And I do like that it's a one system I really like, A, which is betting against this Royals awful hitting lineup that is bottom 10 in just about almost every statistical category, combined with a truly elite pitcher in Otani, who I still don't think is being given the respect he deserves for the, the actual pitching acumen. I think the struggles, because you see him at the plate, you know, every, every day mm -hmm. while he's pitching, it's every fifth day. Uh, and, this, and the team struggles as well have kind of dragged him down a little bit. But that would be the, that'd be the spot I'd look at with Otani and, uh, and really love what he's doing still on the mound, even though some of his numbers have, have come down a, a little bit from early in the year. So to your point, last question here, wrapping things up, would you rather have a Shohei 5-1 to one MVP ticket or a 45-1 to one Cy Young ticket? Give me the, give me the Cy Young ticket. Yeah. Give, me, give me the longer. <laughs> I don't think – now look, the MVP one is – so MVP is fascinating because, again, you're just kind of tied in with Trout where – and we've talked about this before – if the team – sucks which it currently does and there's not many signs that it's going to get that much better for la if if that's still the case and like what happens if aaron judge gets hurt which is really the only thing that could prevent him from winning mvp at this point he's now minus i, I know he's like minus 120 in a lot of shops but judge does have a little injury injury history we know that so judge gets hurt mm -hmm. the angels are you know are basically a 500 team and otani's really not doing anything at the plate uh, and and it's not you know Trout obviously has put up solid numbers, but he's battled injuries himself. Jose Ramirez, who's like the fourth shot, is playing on a, a going nowhere team. 
So it's really hard for me to see where the betters or the where the voters would actually go for that. Where and that's why it's just hard to you know I get it. It's you're buying low. You, there's an outside chance again if you're if you're just betting against uh, Judge winning it. You could certainly look that way. But I'd much rather take a shot, especially in a Cy Young where we've seen we've seen changes in favorites all season. Shane McClanahan is the favorite right now, who I really like, but. Tampa Bay has shown zero willingness to, over at least the long haul, let him throw a ton of innings. Now, the last, I think, eight starts, he's thrown at least six innings, which is great. That's, a, that's something we've never seen the Rays allow McClanahan to do before. But that, that would represent a pretty massive innings increase for McClanahan from 2021 to 2022. He's still a really young guy. So I'm not totally sold that that holds up for a full season. I know I've come on here and talked before about my doubts on <laughs> Justin Verlander staying fully healthy all season. Uh, we we talked about Nestor Cortez and some of the some of the potential regression I see him having in the second half of the year. A guy who's never pitched a full season. Uh, mm-hmm. and Garrett Cole would be, Garrett Cole is the one you know the, the logical uh, choice right now is if you're looking for value a little bit deeper on the board. But mm-hmm. I mean, with what Otani's doing, there's you know I could easily see a scenario where I mean the numbers he's putting up right now uh, could be valued a little bit more in the market. And if it was, I think if it was not for his MVP odds being so high, because for whatever reason in our minds, we just assign a guy like, oh, he's either got to be this, but he can't be that if he's going to be right. this. Because of that. Box. Yeah, and if he, like, if he were to fall off more in the end, it's weird. I almost feel like if he were to continue falling off in the MVP market, his Cy Young number would actually increase because voters, they, yeah. they are certainly go. I think they will, I think regardless, like even if he was having another good year, unless he was exceptional, both pitching and hitting, the voters would have some of that fatigue where it's like, okay, how much of this is novelty? Where you see the two does both here. of it. We get it. And, and right, I, I definitely feel like voters would more voters would fall into that camp. And I get it; it's always dangerous to handicap how voters think because you know they're they're only humans. But I think that people, regardless, would start to think that way on Otani. And there's there's certainly a side of me that, that believes the voters would look at him and say, well, if he's pitching, even though you shouldn't give any guy you know who's pitching who's a two way player. Like signing award is specifically a pitching award, but I still would think voters would think about the fact he's doing this while being a two-way player, and that makes the pitching numbers that much more impressive. I still think that would kind of bleed into some of the voters' psyche. So, yeah, why not? If we're talking spitballing here, Daniel, forty-five to one, give it to me. Yeah, well, I, I hear way more about Shohei's pitching this year than his hitting, actually. So that's definitely intriguing for me. Um, ben Wilson, thank you so much. You can find him again, Ben underscore Wilson underscore one D number one Ben Wilson. Thank you so much for joining oh, us. I tried, I guess, on the Los Angeles City Cast. I'm the number one Ben Wilson. So thank you for allowing me to join your lovely show. It's always a pleasure. And enjoy. Uh, we, again, we're recording Tuesday night. He's going to the Aces and Sky game, his first WNBA game. Yeah. So enjoy that. What, let's go. What am I betting? Just tell me. Uh, I got Sky plus eight. You guys are hearing this after the fact, so hopefully that's cashed. And at the uh, <laughs> <laughs> at this time, uh, coming up, we have WNBA looking ahead to Wednesday and Thursday's slate. Four games on Thursday. That and more coming up on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three-leg same-game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by BetRivers Sportsbook. I'm Danielle Avari. It's WNBA discussion time here. Just me today, but like I mentioned at the top of the show, Miles Ehrlich joining us 
on Friday's show to break down the one Friday game, I believe, and a couple games on Saturday. So something to look forward to. Glad he was able to schedule us in. Uh, Miles always does a great job. So excited to have him back on. But just me today. And we're going to try to move through these games pretty rapid fire because I got thoughts, but they're succinct here. Tuesday games, let's talk about those before we preview the Wednesday game and look at the Thursday games. All the dogs covered on Tuesday. It was a dog day on Tuesday. The Dream plus five and a half beat the Wings 80 to 75. The Aces, this is, I mean, buried the lead here. Hi. They were up by 28 points at home and lost to the Sky 104 to 95. Sky breaking a three-game streak of not covering. That's great. They were actually getting eight points in that. So they won outright as eight-point dogs. I went on Rush Hour with Danny Burke, which is a lovely show, also sponsored by Bet Rivers, that you can check out on VSIN that operates at 3 p.m. Pacific time, Monday through Friday. Went on that show with Danny, and asked, he asked me about this game, and I said, it seems disrespectful to the defending champs to have them uh, – getting eight points, even against what I will call the best team in the league, the Aces. Even after this loss, I would still say the Aces are the best team in this league. It's good to see that they bleed a little bit, that they they can be taken down. But that's only the Aces' third loss of the season, and it was a hard-fought one by the Sky. So, incredible job by them. They only scored 18 points in the first quarter. The Aces were up 41-18 to at the end of the first quarter. It was bleak. I went to pick up some dinner for myself. I came back, and I was like, oh, good. This is what we're talking about. So, uh, shout out to the sky on that one. Biggest comeback in WNBA history, I believe. Lynx, meanwhile, are the Lynx good? Are they playing better? They outlasted and beat the Mercury by 13. They covered as five and a half point dogs. I didn't want to touch that side, either side, with a 10-foot pole with these two teams. Unfortunately, they're playing again on Thursday, so we can look at it again. Uh, but the Lynx last three games, let's look at this. So they, they beat the Mercury by 13. Again, as five and a half point dogs. Uh, they lost to the Aces, again, best team in the league, by one, which was weird, and then lost to the Storm by two. I don't want to read too deep into that, but these last three goes for the Lynx have not been terrible. Uh, as for the Sparks, a team that I hate having to bet on or against, unfortunately, I know it's the Los Angeles City cast. I wish that wasn't true, but... They just don't know what their offense is supposed to look like. They have the most inconsistent offense, it seems. And it's interesting because I talk about how their offense can't get anything done and they can't really run a play. But they have the second highest effective field goal shooting percentage, actually, or field goal shooting percentage in the league. So we'll have more on that in a moment when we talk about their game on Thursday. But it is really frustrating because they have all these pieces, NECA and Liz, etc., that should be able to put something together here offensively. And sometimes they do. So the Sparks did break a three-game streak of not covering. So they finally covered by beating the Mystics 84-82, to a game that they should have won by much more than two points. They collapsed at the end. Uh, a collapse that we've come to know from this LA team a little too well. Nevertheless, they shot 50%. I don't expect that to continue necessarily, but shout out to them for that game. There was no Elena Deladon for the Mystics. We'll see how Thursday goes. Always keeping an eye on EDD watch, right? Uh, Wednesday, we have a game. Liberty at the Sun. The Sun is that team, too, that we're like, don't they have home court advantage? Like, we talk about home court advantage. How much is it worth? Does every team have it? If any team has it, the Sun are one of the few teams I would say definitely do. Now, there's a couple different numbers out here. The Liberty plus 10.5 or the Sun minus 9.5 even. I, like I said, these numbers move quick. So if you're hearing this and you're like, nope, it's all the way at this now, that wouldn't shock me necessarily. Uh, the Sun 
are set up to cover here. I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see a nine and a half available necessarily. The last time these two teams played on May 17th, which is quite a ways back when you think about it, New York lost 92 to 65. I believe Benajah Laney was even playing in that game. She hasn't been playing, obviously, uh, because of her knees now. But very different composition of the Liberty team. The Liberty team has done a lot of growth from the start of the season. Started out like, oh, yes, okay, they're beating the Connecticut Sun. This might be great. And then really fell off from there. So... The Liberty are so up and down. It kind of seems like Sabrina finds her rhythms, her moments. I really think that it chalks up to, unfortunately, injuries for them. That said, they're still 11th in offensive rating. Connecticut is second. And the Sun are going to crush them on the boards and in the paint. I don't know how this is set up to be a good matchup for the Liberty in any fashion. So it looks like a Sun cover for me. Uh, It's not a bet that I want to lay because it's almost double digits. It's just not, I mean... People do it. I don't like to. I'd rather look for something like an under here. 157.5 may even be playable to me, which is what I'm seeing it at now. And it might be worth a look because it could move. So I will give it serious consideration. But I even like the idea of playing like a live under if the sun come out blazing or if the Liberty are shooting really well. But again, that Liberty offense has been so hit or miss. There was a game that I bet their team total under and they just shot incredibly well. And then there's games where... You're like, okay, they're finally figured it out. They have their rhythm. They know how they're running this offense. And then it just completely falls apart again. So very difficult for me with this Liberty team right now. I need them to win back my trust before I want to even give them 10 and a half points. Uh, But it, it does look like this is set up for the Sun to do their thing. The Liberty are 11th in pace. And the Sun are six. The Sun talked about how they wanted to push their pace this season. They've done that. Unfortunately, it's come at the cost of turnovers. The team that limits the turnovers is going to win the battle here. We saw that in the first game of the season between these two teams. So as long as the Sun play clean, strong defense, I'm hoping to see an under here. But because the Sun are trying to push that pace, we could see them score you know, a higher, a higher number like that 92-65 to 65 game. Uh, even in that situation, we could still see something like an under. So... The Liberty have been shooting cautiously, optimistically better than usual as of late, which makes me nervous to take this 157 and a half, not knowing how this game's going to go as far as pace. So this would be more like a live total situation for me, and I don't really want to jump on that sun nine and a half, but if you do, mazel. Let's go Thursday. No, I'm not Jewish. I don't know. Am I allowed to say that, guys? I didn't say mazel tov. Please don't cancel me. Let's move on to Thursday's game. Mercury at the Lynx part two. We already got to see this game on Tuesday. Uh, the Lynx won by 13, as I mentioned, snapping their five-game losing streak. Minnesota uh, has won in Phoenix for 10 straight times. They went on a 20-8 and run in this game. Uh, both teams made 10 threes, but the Lynx shot better overall, plus the ball movement. They had 24 assists to the Mercury's 15. The Mercury also ended up with five more turnovers, so you're not moving the ball well, and when you are, you're turning it over, uh, so that's not moving the ball well. I think the Mercury can right the ship at any given moment, but I'm not convinced enough on either of these teams to back them. I'm expecting a lower scoring affair. We've seen that both times at the Mercury when they've had back-to-back games against the team, against the Mystics, and I believe against the Storm earlier in the season. Uh, That's just generally something we can see. In back-to-back games, teams have already seen each other, figured each other out, and or are a little bit tired from the last time. So I am expecting a lower scoring affair. Maybe a first half under would be something interesting, or even a full game under, if I feel so so motivated. Fever at the Wings. Oh, this one. The Fever are 2-6 and six away, I believe, and the Wings are 3-5 and five at home. Uh, 
The Fever played on Sunday, so they will have a rest advantage. The Wings just lost to the Dream on Tuesday. Uh, the Fever beat the Sky. Yes, that Sky. The Sky that just beat the number one team in the league, the Aces. Uh, and the Fever beat them on Sunday. Now, that was no Candace Parker. Candace Parker took two games off. Okay, but you cannot fall apart just because CP3 is out. Uh, the Fever covered a seven and a half point home dogs. That's another team that gets a little wily at home, gets a little fiery. Uh, I think we're going to see a fast, fast, fast game. That's what I would say about this one. Wings score 84 more points in nine of 17 games this season, which is what? Like barely 50%. But I'm just saying these are higher scoring games. I mean, 84. Uh, and the Fever also haven't held a team to under 80 points in five games straight, including some teams that aren't necessarily the highest offensive-powered teams. Uh, plus, they have not played each other this season, which I was surprised to read because this is going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, could even be a little messy. So the over is going to look where uh, is going to be where I look to play, and maybe a live spread situation. Looking for some Fever action. I think I want the Fever here. Ugh, they're so bad at closing out games, but the Wings as well. So this will be really dicey. I almost wish that the Wings were playing on the road, but then, like I said, the Fever play good at home, so maybe this is their best shot at it. The Wings are coming off that loss, too, so maybe they'll be a little bit more motivated, and maybe the Fever will have that hangover of beating the Sky. Uh, so if you're looking for something pregame, perhaps the Wings, if you can get a favorable number. Mystics at the Storm. The Mystics lost by two to the Sparks on Tuesday, much to my dismay because I had Mystics minus two and a half. But no Elena Deladon in the lineup. I get it. Not everybody wants to back that when she's not in there, but that's made into the lines as well. So it's unfortunate when we see uh, good opportunities to get in there and they're kind of squandered. The Mystics really came back in the end, and that's what I've come to see from this Mystics team so far this season is their ability to close out games and tighten down on defense in those final moments. And if you can count on a team for a collapse... It's the Sparks. Uh, fortunately, Natasha Cloud missed some very critical free throws, so still able to cash the under. That was incredible closing line value. I was talking with uh, Daniel Mattia, who came on the show a couple weeks ago. Hope to get him back on soon. He also does a great job with Spread the Floor. Um, check that podcast out as well. And we were messaging, and I had said, that should not have been a sweat. This 168.5 total under that we got the day before we both looked at it and we're like what is this why are we getting almost 170 points on a mystics game that we know i mean i believe our let me look at this i want to look this number exactly up right now because the mystics at or over under is highly highly skewed to the under and as we know also the mystics second quarters have been insane. If you believe in trends, of course, correlation does not equal causation. We know that on this show. We don't want to say necessarily because something is happening over and over again that it's going to continue to happen. We don't know that. But I think the Washington second quarter unders are up to 18 and one now. Like 18 unders to one over. Like one random over. <laughs> so... Washington is an under team, and so getting almost 170 points of them was insane. Five and 14 on the over under. And so we both grabbed that. And of course, by the next day, 163 and a half. So great line, uh, closing line value, which is not something I usually get. So I really like to toot my own horn for that one. But that just goes to show too, if you do see these lines out uh, before the games in terms of like a day before or so, as soon as they come out essentially, and you see something that looks a little off or something that looks interesting to you, 
you have to grab it because it's going to move. It's going to move so quickly. I mean, 168 and a half to 163 and a half the next day, five whole points. That was crazy. So that said, get an under early if you can on Mystics games. The Mystics uh, are 4-14 four and 14 to the under. Their defense is second in defensive rating. The Storm offense hasn't been as dominant, but they will take a lot of shots and they have talented players. Hi, Brianna Stewart. Um, and they are third in defensive rating, so that makes this a little bit tricky for me. But like I said, Storm offense not up to par necessarily with what we expect from them yet. Third in defensive rating. Mystics love unders. Their defense is second in defensive rating. Uh, Mystics are dead last in pace. The Storm are 10th out of 12. Uh, and seven of the last 11 games, the Storm have scored 80 or more points. So you might think, yeah, well, that offense doesn't sound like it's too broken. Uh, but the four games that they didn't score over 80 points that were much lo more lower scoring were versus the Connecticut Sun, an incredible defensive team, similar to the Mystics, the Dream, number one defensive team, and then there was that weird low-scoring Wings game, which, I not to throw it out, but let's throw it out for the sake of argument. And then one versus the Liberty way back. That was an overtime game, and they scored 79 in that. And that was kind of in that realm where they were kind of coming back from missing some players due to health and safety protocols, etc. So the more recent under 80-point games for the, the Storm were versus the Sun and the Dream, which were very stout defenses. That's what I've come to expect from the Mystics as well. So... You may get something favorable on a Storm team total under, something like that. But overall, I'm expecting a really good defensive matchup. Uh, and the team who takes better care of the ball to win this one. Pretty straightforward. Love to live bet the spread in this one if I get it a good option. You know I'd love to take some Mystics action. Uh, or get an under early if you can. As for the Sky and the Sparks to wrap up the Thursday games, the Sky... Just handed the best team in the league their third loss. Yes, I'm still going to call the Aces the best team in the league despite the Sky's incredible performance. Uh, the Sparks, on the other hand, just shot 50% in their win over the Mystics and still only won by two, which is suspect. So, weirdly enough, these two teams, as I mentioned already, lead the league in field goal percentage right now. The Sky are first and the Sparks are second, but the Sparks attempt the fewest field goals in the league dead last so i guess when they shoot they shoot well but it's getting the shot off that's the problem and getting the play to run that's the problem uh the sparks weirdly enough too won all three games versus the sky last season yes the last season when the sky won the championship they weren't necessarily dominant in the regular season candace parker joined them halfway through but the sparks won all three games they played against them they were kind of lower scoring too and they also won the season opener this year for them in overtime, 98 to 91. That was a fun one. The Sparks worked to hold on to that Mystics win despite a collapse at the end. And the Sky may be a little tired coming off of what, 105 to 74 was, or 105 to 90 something for the Aces game. So coming off the biggest comeback in WNBA history, yeah, maybe we're a little tired. Both teams are going to be a little bit wound up from those wins. The Sky are the better fundamental team. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. They're also probably better coached. They have more veteran talent and leadership. They should win this one. Why didn't they win last year? So weird. Uh, that's a little bit irking me. But And also they're on the road. And also they're coming off that Aces win. Eee, I don't want to lay points here. But maybe something live.
First half under after the games that they had Tuesday, that's where I would look. Thank you so much for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. As always, you can expect shows Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, except for when I'm on vacation or whatever. Uh, so thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you back here on Friday. Miles Ehrlich will be here to talk WNBA, so you won't just have to hear my thoughts. That and more when we get back with the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.